Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Worcestershire all-rounder Joe Leach. So Joe, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, mixed, I'll be honest. Um, bowling, uh, bowling at my pace indoors, there's not much mileage in it. I just keep getting climbed into it at the moment by all the batters. So, yeah, no, it's been, it's good. Winter training's in full flow, as I'm sure you can imagine. And, um, yeah, I, I jest. It's it's not that much of a hardship, to be honest, bowling a few overs indoors. So, um, yeah, all good, thank you. How about you? To be honest, Joe, yeah, very good myself. I mean, as of this recording, it won't be out 70 days before the season starts, but on this night, only 70 days to go until the restart of the county championship, which is a fantastic time of year. It's looking like it's going to be an excellent season as well, isn't it? We've had a few overseas signings today. I mean, Sean Abbott has just signed for Surrey, so him and Kemar Roach in Division 1 is going to be very interesting. But all in all, you think about the the basball factor as well. Could we see that in county cricket in 2023? We've got some excellent white ball teams as well. 2023 definitely has the makings of an excellent year in county crickets. But before we jump the, the proverbial gun, I suppose, Joe, and we talk about 2023, we talk about this season and the future, I suppose, just for the new listeners out there who aren't quite aware as to how TCCP actually works, tonight I'm going to be talking to Joe all about his cricketing journey. So we'll begin right at the beginning at the origins of the Joe Leach cricketing story. Then we'll talk a lot about Worcestershire County Cricket Club over the course of tonight's recording. And then we'll end today's episode with a chat about the 2023 season and the years beyond. But Joe Leach, before I get into all of that good stuff then, I want to transport you all the way back to the origins, the beginnings of your cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game? Like like most kind of people you've interviewed, I guess, and most of us who love the game, in the garden, tennis ball, um, small cricket bats, small stumps, arguments with brother, arguments with family, um, very typical. And then that kind of progressed into club cricket at Stone in um, Staffordshire. Some of the older listeners amongst um, out there might, might recognise it as kind of the home of uh, minor counties cricket back in the day when uh, they used to play, minor counties used to play touring teams. So actually one of the first kind of viewing cricket memories I've got is watching the minor counties play South Africa at Stone, um, which was amazing. Um, Callis played. Um, I remember Nancy Hayward steaming him down the hill. Um, so yeah, I've got somewhere in a loft probably now, I've got a kind of a signed cricket bat from that day. And, uh, and yeah, probably a love for the game. I've always had a love for the game, probably a bit of natural talent as well thrown in, which kind of helps. Um, so yeah, that's that's the real first memory I can give you that's meaningful beyond just hitting balls into hedges. Well, that is an incredible memory, Joe. It really is. I mean, we love the minor counties here on TCCP and we'll probably discuss the likes of Staffordshire and Shropshire as the episode gets more underway. But what a fantastic memory that is watching yeah. Jacques Callis, arguably the greatest all-rounder of all time. I mean, some people might throw in the names of an Ian Botham or a Sir Garfield Sobers in there, depending on the generation. Kapil Dev as well from India. But Jacques Callis, the king, one of the greatest slip fielders of all time, an outstanding batter, excellent bowler. Wow, what an incredible memory that is. And talking of, of icons, I suppose, because Jacques Callis would have been an idol for many a cricketer across the world. Who were your idols, your influences, your role models in those most formative years? Did you have anyone in international cricket or county cricket that you tried to emulate in those early years, per se? You know what? I get asked this a lot, and I wouldn't say that I have a kind of a typical idol, someone that I could pinpoint as an individual that I really kind of hang my hat on as, as following them specifically. I've always been a bit of a cricket badger, to be honest, so... Growing up, you know, the kind of four o'clock, 45 over games that used to be on in the summer holidays, used to always watch those. 
Um, always watch the test matches, certainly England, um, on terrestrial TV then at the time, BBC to begin with, then over onto Channel 4. So I, I can't say that there's necessarily an individual. Callis, obviously, um, very strong memories of him being an exceptional player. But I, I kind of just loved county cricket in it to begin with and, and obviously test cricket. Who doesn't want to play test cricket? Um, but, you know, I was also completely smitten with the county game. I came to New Road when I was um, very young and saw Curtly Ambrose play and then um, probably probably a bit young then to really remember the game, but I vividly remember going to the Roses derby. Um, and I think it was actually Ryan Sonbottom's debut for Yorkshire. Certainly he got a lot of stick from the, the Lankies that day. And I remember thinking then, and I was kind of seven or eight at the time, you know, that's what I want to do when I'm older. So, um, so yeah, kind of in a roundabout way, answer your question, everyone and anyone, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's, again, a very interesting response to that question. Usually it is a case of maybe one or two out-and-out role models, but quite clearly a love of county cricket kind of stoked the fire in those early days. And obviously, as the host of the County Cricket Podcast, Joe, that is fantastic to hear. And hopefully a number of our listeners out there will be the exact same and county cricket can invoke that that same fire and passion inside for the best sport on the planet. But you, you mentioned county cricket there. And obviously that will entail a large chunk of tonight's podcast. We are going to discuss Worcestershire County Cricket Club at a lot of length, even though I am the resident Warwickshire fan here at TCCP. But before we get into the first class counties, I did want to discuss your time in the minor counties or the national counties, as they're now known, because I love giving them a shout out. It's a part of the English cricketing structure, which, in my opinion, is very underrated and oftentimes doesn't get enough praise or plaudits for the role that is played in many a cricketer's career. So in terms of those first encounters with national county crickets, what were your first memories aside from Stone and watching that South Africa game? What were your first kind of encounters with the national counties? Well, having grown up in, in staffs, I, I played for staffs from when I was nine years old all the way through to the men's team. Um, and staffs in itself is one of the kind of the bigger minor counties. I think Staffs and Durham were going tete-a-tete in the early 90s to see who became the 18th first-class county. So it's a massive area. It's fed by two major Premier Leagues. You've got the North Staffs Premier League and the, the Birmingham League. Obviously, some of the teams are a staff space there. So it's, a really, it's always been a really strong county through the junior age groups. And I, I obviously played kind of a year up for them and we always competed with the the first class counties junior setups there um and so because of that it as i kind of progressed through the system and then into the minor county side when i was i think 17 16 17 never really felt like we were a poorer cousin of some of the first class counties and very grateful for the grounding that being brought up in staff's game and i probably had um, cricketing education that was akin to a first-class county, but in a minor county. We, it was thus through the junior sections is very well funded, very well supported. Uh, they might not like me saying they're very well funded anymore. I, I'm not that aware of where they're at, but we always had some really quality players, and a lot of county cricketers have come through that system. So, so that was great. And then to to kind of progress into the minor county side, I'm kind of really grateful that. They just saw talent, I suppose, and kind of promoted me above my time into that. Um, wasn't probably good enough to play, you know, because again, Staffsham is a big county and yeah, they just kind of threw me in as a youngster. And then from there, um, as I got a bit older and um, moved across to play Birmingham League cricket through my Worcester connection, um, it, it was kind of a it was a move that just made sense to to play for Shropshire at the time. Um, and so I kind of benefited from having the junior system, uh, the kind of junior setup with staffs, which is a bigger county than Shropshire, and then moved across to play in a really good minor county side for Shropshire. And we won the one-day trophy in 2010 or 11. Um, 
so yeah, I've got really fond memories of my time there. Really good grounding. It's slightly different to county cricket um, and second eleven cricket, um, but still a really good grounding and one I'm extremely grateful for. Well, Joe, I'm I'm really glad to hear that, mate. I really am because again, we are big advocates of the national counties and any excuse to give them some praise on the podcast. I'll take the opportunity with both hands and two excellent teams as well. Might I just say staffs who have been excellent in terms of almost being a satellite county for the likes of Warwickshire and Worcestershire and some of the East Midlands counties as well in recent years, as well as Shropshire, who've got that intrinsic link to to Worcestershire. As we've seen in, in recent years, Dylan Pennington, for example, came through that exact same system and has now gone on to play for the pairs over the past few years. So two very good teams to be a part of in those formative county cricketing years. And you mentioned it being different to, to county cricket at both the second 11 and, of course, the first 11 standard. But what do you say are the biggest differences? For those who aren't quite aware of national counties cricket, where would you say the biggest differences lie in terms of standard quality and, I suppose, game time as well? Yeah, again, I ask this question a lot and it's it's hard... It's a hard one to answer. I think pace of the game, certainly. Um, I think now what what I see slightly different to maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but second teams in county cricket are obviously getting younger. Um, when I first started playing, the vast majority of second team cricketers were pros. I think the split now is kind of 50-50 between pros and academy um academy kind of players or trialists. Um, so I think because of that, in second eleven cricket, what you get is guys with high potential. So they might bowl 85 mile an hour, but might not necessarily know where it's going um, all the time, or, you know, might have all the shots. I think minor counties cricket, and this is not meant in a disrespectful way, and I hope it doesn't come across as this. I think it's the creme de la creme of league cricket. And actually, if you ask a lot of pros, they find league cricket quite challenging at times. You know, tricky surfaces, different bowlers, different fields. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good grounding to try and increase your cricket now, problem solve. But I think the reality is that the, the first-class pros are and, and actually the second team guys who have experience are probably better players but they're not quite as developed from an experience point of view in terms of playing the game so I think that's that's why these minor counties and I'm more than happy to put the national counties now you know I, I think it's fantastic for for them and for the game that these 50 over games have been brought back in um, you know kind of dropping back to the start of the pod when I spoke about minor counties versus South Africa, I went and watched staffs play Surrey at Stone as well. And it's really important for kids and for people to have access to the professional game everywhere, not just in 18 hubs. So these games are fantastic. Definitely, Joe. To be honest, I could not have articulated that better myself. It is incredibly important because you're a testament to that, aren't you? You were inspired by that game at Stone, your local club, the club that you played for as a youngster. And here you are all these years later playing for Worcestershire County Cricket Club, having been a captain of the side as well. So again, it's so important to have those opportunities as young cricketers to have those role models and have those memorable experiences. And the national counties certainly do provide that by the bunch. And aside from national counties crickets, another scheme, another programme, which I've discussed at length over the course of these 220 episodes of the podcast that we've done in the in the past three years. But the MCCU scheme. So this is quite an interesting one with yourself because you were actually on the Worcestershire Academy at the time, if I'm not mistaken, when you went and played for Leeds Bradford. But how did that compare with the National Counties and Second Eleven and Academy Cricket? Where would you put that if you were to rank them by difficulty or standard? Where would you put the MCCU scheme in there? I think, generally speaking, similar-ish to national counties, but I was very lucky at Leeds in the side that I happened to have in the couple of years that I was there. I think nine out of the squad um, have ended up playing first-team, first-class cricket. Um, and 
because of that, we ended up giving the counties that we played a r- real good run for their money. I think we lost to Surrey by two runs uh, one year. I think we beat Sussex. Um, we had a, we would have had given Yorkshire a very good game, but it rained. Um, so that really helped. Not kind of being whipping boys <laughs> um, at the start of the season really that kind of helped and probably makes me look at that system more fondly than I, I know some some do. For, for myself, it was absolutely perfect. I had a really good coach in Andrew Lawson, played in a peer group that was obviously of a good enough standard to kind of stretch me and keep pushing me forward. So, yeah, I, I've got nothing but fond memories of my time at Leeds and can't speak highly enough of the programme, I think, um, certainly my experience of it. I have heard differing views, to be honest, and it's sometimes when you look at the scorecards, it's hard to argue against those. Um, but I guess that's um, it. All depends what kind of cohort you have. These things are cyclical. They most certainly are. But in your case, as you rightfully mentioned, that was an incredibly strong cohort in that Leeds Bradford setup. And for those who aren't aware of some of the names who were in that setup at the time. Who can you tell us in terms of some of the names, some of the players who were in that yeah. squad? Um, I don't want to pump some of their tyres up too much because I have to play against them. And, and uh, they'll be straight on to WhatsApp. But uh, Ben Slater, open and batting. Uh, Lewis Reese, um, Dan Hodgson, who kept at Yorkshire for a while. Tom Craddock. Matt Higginbottom was at Derby at the time. Uh, Nick Gubbins came just as I left. Jonathan Webb, who you know from Warwickshire. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a few of them will kick me for forgetting them in, on the spot. Um, but yeah, obviously some very, very good players came in that in that side. Well, there certainly were, and I think a testament to this actually was your first class debut for Leeds Bradford MCCU, which you did allude to in that previous passage. It was a two-run loss to Surrey, but in terms of that game, what can you remember? And I suppose more importantly. What were you feeling on the day, going out there for the very first time, being that boy from Stafford, going and playing games at Stone, making your way through that Worcestershire Academy, and then walking out onto that field for the very first time as a first-class cricketer? What was going through your head? What were the emotions like on that day at the Oval? Uh, Nerves, probably, Um, if I remember rightly. I remember being fuming at the end of the game because we lost by two runs to a shocking LBW decision. Um, yeah, it was... I, you know what? I, I find that game harder to remember than my county championship debut, which um, I think I think I got a few words in the first innings of the, my first-class game. I think a couple of LBs, Jason Roy, maybe? Yep, spot on. If you're looking at Jason Roy. Yeah, Chris Jordan played for Surrey. I can, I can remember he bounced me for a good 45 minutes just before lunch on day three. Um, so, yeah, little snippets I remember. Um, but, yeah, as I say, probably more County Championship debut is, is what I actually really class as my first-class debut, if I'm honest. Well, that's completely understandable, given the, the love for Worcestershire County Cricket Club as well. I mean, that would be an extraordinarily special occasion walking out there for the very first time. And, and don't worry, Joe, we'll discuss that debut <laughs> at length because a certain county beside Worcestershire were, uh, were featuring in that particular game. Yeah. But just for those who, who did want a little bit of background behind that first-class debut, you said you took a few wickets in the first innings. You took four for 73. A few wickets. That's pretty good on your first-class debut from 13 overs as well. Might I just add, and some of the the victims of that four for you mentioned Jason Roy. You got Rory Hamilton Brown, the Surrey captain, Tom Jewell, and Tim Lindley. Not a bad four for to kickstart your first class career at all. No, I must have. I could. I remembered Hamilton Brown. I didn't remember the other two, to be honest. Uh, but that's yeah, very very happy happy memories, I suppose. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, even if you would have just taken four for 73 on that day, Joe, you would have taken four more first-class wickets than I'll ever get. So <laughs> there you go. Fantastic yeah, way to, there we go. to start your career. Apart from with the batting hand, I must say that a 10-ball duck batting at four, unfortunately. But yeah. 
it's improved since then, hasn't it? <laughs> Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> no, it definitely has, as we'll probably discuss when we do get into our chats about Worcestershire County Cricket Club. But before we discuss Worcestershire, actually, just one final thing about the MCCU setup, Joe. What do you say was the the most beneficial aspects of that programme and that scheme for you personally? Was it the fact that it allowed you to become a better cricketer? Was it the personal development associated with it? What do you say was the most beneficial aspect of the MCCU as a programme? I think, uh, obviously, the exposure to games like, like we've just been speaking about. I think, for me, specific to me, actually, it just bought me a bit more time. I think at 18, 19, I... I definitely wasn't ready to be a pro, um, wasn't of the required ability, was behind a few um, of my kind of peer group coming off the academy, developing, progressing into professional contracts. I was certainly behind them um, at Worcester. So it kind of enabled Worcester to keep me around for, you know, peanuts really. Um, and just gave me the opportunity to, I actually didn't finish the degree because I ended up coming um, back to be a full-time pro. But like the concept is fantastic. Um, you know, it's a shame that it's been slightly changed at the moment. Um, it is a chain. It is a shame. Um, but I think the one thing I would say is I think the counties are supporting their um, academy product, academy guys, at 17, 18, 19 way better off the field than probably they used to back in the day. So whether the need for it is there quite as much um, is, is the debate, I guess. But yeah, as I say, for me personally, time just bought me a bit of time and that allowed me to kind of move into the game when I was 21, 22, as opposed to 18, 19, because I've got no doubt if I would have signed a one or two year deal at that point, I would have been out of the, the county game um, by that time. See, again, that's very interesting, actually, because usually it's a case of of people saying that it's that first taste of first-class cricket, or it's, again, I've got to say the fun element, because it is university at the end of the yeah. day as well. You're playing cricket alongside your uni, and there's some excellent memories associated with that. But that's a really interesting take, then. The fact is, you, you kind of credit that for allowing you to mature as a player, as opposed to just making your first-class cricketer. That's a really nice answer, actually, and one hand actually thought of so yeah thanks for that joe that's very very interesting to hear and aside from that mccu time then and your time in the national counties i suppose we do have to talk about your first class county don't we which is of course worcestershire county cricket club a very successful club probably the second most successful club in the west midlands but a successful club nonetheless with with five county championships and a bunch of one day trophies and of course the t20 blast in 2018 so Joe what were your first kind of dealings with with Worcestershire how did that opportunity first materialize in the beginning well uh Paul Pridgen at Shrewsbury School which is where I went to to school obviously very tight links with Worcester from his playing days um he kind of pushed me towards um academy trials there I got into the academy when I was 15 so just went into that pathway that's kind of at the time, wasn't it was academies had been around for a couple of years, but they were just starting to really gain momentum as being seen to be add real value to to the first class county. So, yeah, I went there when I was fifteen. As I say, I progressed off the academy onto this summer contract um, for a couple of years while I was at uni, and then um, obviously full time um, when I was twenty one, twenty twenty one. Um, and yeah, have been there ever since. Um, and very quickly, it's gone from being summer contracts just off the academy to uh, the oldest person, the oldest domestic player in the dressing room. It's uh, it's been quite a journey. It most certainly has, and yeah, it's scary how how fast time flies, isn't it? Like we've had that conversation so many times on the podcast. One minute you're you're the rookie in the dressing room, just learning your way around first class cricket, and. <laughs> In the blink of an eye, you've been there for a decade or 15 years in some cases. And yeah, you're thinking, yeah. where on earth has the time gone? But in terms of those early days at Worcestershire, we do have to mention your debut. Because for any cricketer, regardless of the level, first-class cricket, though in particular, it's tremendously special. 
It's a day that lives on for the rest of time, and it's a day that you never, ever forget because of the, the magnitude of the occasion. So in terms of your first-class debut for Worcestershire County Cricket Club, what can you remember from stepping out onto that field and representing the pairs of Worcestershire for the very first time? I remember being well and truly out of my depth. <laughs> I lasted... Um... So you speak about the grounding and playing first-class cricket uh, in those uni games. I thought I'd experienced first-class cricket and then very quickly I'd experienced county cricket and there is a difference. Um, Chris Wright gave me a complete working over. He went bouncer, bouncer, then nicked me off, third ball duck. Um, and then uh, we got bowled out for not very many. And I remember Phil Hughes got an amazing 100 in the second innings that kind of kept us in kept us in the game. But I think Warwickshire ended up cruising. It looked like we were going to, a couple of early wickets, and then Warwickshire ended up cruising. And I think won the title in the return fixture at New Road, which I also played in, where, again, I was miles out of my depth. Um, so, yeah, my early, that those, I think I played five games that year, four or five games in Division One in 2012. And I remember coming away from that season thinking, I have got some work to do if I want to make a proper go of this. Um, so, yeah, but happy, happy memories nevertheless. Oh, of course. I mean, it, it, it's tremendously special regardless of what happens in the debut, to be honest. In an ideal world, obviously, you want the victory. We're all competitors and you want to get that win on the board. But just walking out onto that field for the first time, it's a day that will always live on. And it's something which can never, ever be taken away from you. So, again, it does deserve to be a tremendously special memory from your career. And Joe, just talking of that Worcestershire-Warwickshire rivalry. Because it wouldn't be an episode of TCCP without a mention of the Bears versus Pears. But for you, as a massive Worcestershire fan, and obviously former captain of the Pears, and now still playing for Worcestershire County Cricket Club, what does that rivalry mean to Joe Leach? What does it mean, that Bears versus Pears rivalry? And just how big of an encounter is it for you as a player of Worcestershire County Cricket Club? Um, as a, as a, also a football fan, I don't think it's as tribal as... <laughs> as football, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I've got a lot of friends at Warwickshire. We, we've we not really mixed in the same pool enough, um, certainly in four-day cricket, to have proper rivalries, um, certainly as much as I would, I would have liked. Um, yeah, specific to the 2020 games, they're great occasions and they're, they're probably the two best fixtures in the in the group stage block, certainly for, I think for the players, you know, they're the best atmospheres outside of a finals day um, that you're going to get in those kind of domestic 2020 blocks. And I, if any, the rivalry probably is more, probably ratchets up a few notches um, in those 2020 games. But I think that probably has a lot to do with atmosphere and crowd. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's certainly not a football derby, um, I do, and I don't. I'd be surprised if I heard any kind of of the Warwickshire lads say this say that they felt it was. To be honest, no, I would agree with that. I think it is the same for the fans as well. It's not well, as you said, it's not a tribal affair, is it, between the two? But obviously, it's just bragging rights, isn't it? It's local bragging is, rights. Yeah. I've got friends who are Worcestershire fans living in Redditch and Worcester. And you've got to get one over on them. It's just <laughs> how, it, how it works, to be honest. But it is an excellent occasion. And for anyone who hasn't been to Bears versus Pears match, in particular Edgebaston, if you're into your party stands, get yourself in the Hollies on a Friday night. It is absolutely incredible for, for a domestic match here in England and Wales. So, yeah, that's my advice. If you can get to Bears versus Pears match, tickets do sell out rather quickly at both grounds, to be honest. But if you can get there, get yourself down there, and particularly in 2023. Come down and watch uh, Warwickshire get another victory, eh, Joe? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. T20 is a funny game. Anything can happen. It really can. But uh, aside from that rivalry, I suppose, between Warwickshire and Worcestershire, a bit of a, a nicer question, actually, a bit of a profound question, to be honest, Joe, is what does Worcestershire County Cricket Club actually mean to you? I know that might be a very interesting question, actually, but... Considering that almost from your early years in cricket, 
you've been associated as a fan and then you came up through the academy system, you've captained the club, you've played for the club for almost a decade now. What does Worcestershire County Cricket Club actually mean to Joe Leach? Oh, that is a very profound question, a very difficult question. Um, without wanting to be too kind of 90s cheese, uh, I think, you know, I'm, I am very much aware of when you go into the Graham Hick Pavilion at, um, at New Road and you look around at all the teams that have had success and you look at the names around the honours boards, I am very much aware of having my name upon that captain's list, what that means. So, you know, it, it, I'm extremely proud to have had the chance to play for the club. It's a great club. It's steeped in history. You know, the, some of the biggest names to kind of be associated with the game have come through um, and played for Worcester. You know, both um, Basil D'Oliveira, Tom Graveney, um, oh, Graham Hick, obviously. You know, the list goes, it goes on and on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I am very much aware of the, the privilege I've had to, to captain the club. Um, and yeah, I guess for anyone who, um, has spent a large chunk of their working life anywhere. Um, and let's, let's not lie and say that being a professional sportsman, you don't have even more emotional attachment possibly to your kind of workplace. It's a bit flippant to say it's going to work, but you know, it, it means everything to, to me up until this point. And, um, yeah, as I say, I feel very lucky to have had the chance to do, to do it for so long. Well, Joe, I just know that is going to be music to the ears of the Worcestershire <laughs> faithful tuning in to today's episode because that is a lovely answer. It really is. And obviously I'm a Warwickshire fan and all banter and rivalry aside, that is a great answer to hear. It really is to hear someone so passionate and, and so almost adoring of their county. It's so refreshing to hear. It really is. And as you rightfully mentioned, Worcestershire County Cricket Club are a prestigious county, five times winners of the county championship. Up until the 90s, I say through gritted teeth, they were the more successful side in the West Midlands. You know, they have got so much history. They've had so many excellent players over the years continue to get excellent players. I know we've just nabbed Moeen Alley, but he was outstanding for Worcestershire for a number of years. It is a club wrapped in history and obviously the venue. What can you tell me about New Road? What's it like to rock up there and call that your place of work? Yeah, well, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? I think um, one thing we are very lucky to have in the pavilion is we've got the best view of it um, overlooking the cathedral. So, yeah, we look, it, you're, you're right. It's an iconic, an iconic venue in world cricket, isn't it? Um, you don't get through many top 15 grounds in the world lists without seeing New Road in there somewhere. So, yeah, very fortunate. Certainly are. It is a nice it is a nice place to watch cricket, in particular county championship cricket, I must say. And one-day cricket should be there for the one-day cup this year, actually, because I do believe we're playing at New Road in August. Yeah. So, yeah, that should be, again, an excellent encounter. It's a very, very nice venue indeed. But, Joe, you mentioned earlier there, about captaining Worcestershire County Cricket Club. And again, this might be quite a difficult question or an easy question, depending actually on, on how you view the highlights of your Worcestershire career. But what do you say has been your proudest moments as a player of Worcestershire County Cricket Club to date? Two, two in particular stand out. I think one as a player and one that I didn't play in, but was certainly around for. So when we won Division 2 in 2017, which was my first year as captain, the last day of the season against Durham, when we won the Division 2 title, that's the proudest kind of playing moment I had because I, I was on the pitch. Um, and then obviously the year after to win the Blast was just amazing. It was something that that group had been building towards for a number of years, kind of been in and around the knockout stages and then just... A little bit of magic dust. Moen became available, captain the side unbelievably. A um, couple of really astute signings. Um, I think Wayne, Wayne Parnell. Um, and I'm trying to think who our other overseas was. 
uh, in the final. But yeah, uh, I think Callum Ferguson played that year. Travis Head, in just as I say, some really astute signings along with a really good group of guys domestically who'd been together for a long period of time. And yeah, that was kind of the bigger achievement than the first. But I was injured at the time, so a little bit bit a little bit bittersweet to be sat on the balcony rather than be out there. Um, but still, definitely one of the highlights of my career being part of a group that managed to achieve that. And understandably so, because both of those massive for Worcestershire County Cricket Club in recent years. I know in terms of the 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 size of the title, the T20 Blast obviously would be a little bit bigger compared to Division 2 because, you know, it's a, a big, big trophy to win. You've got finals day, you've got all that fanfare at Edgebaston, you've got a full capacity crowd in, you've got Sky Sports cameras on you as well. And I must say that was an excellent final, wasn't it? Ben Cox producing the heroics in 2018. 2019 as well, great finals day, obviously for Worcestershire, on the receiving end of, well, an excellent final shot from Simon Harmer in that last over against Wayne Parnell, but that really was a very, very good time for for the Worcestershire Rapids in white ball cricket, and under the red ball arena, I suppose, just going back to the 2017 campaign in Division 2, I wanted to talk about captaincy, Joe, because cricket captaincy is fascinating. It really is. Every captain has got their different strategies, different tactics, different approaches, and different outlooks on the game. So, first and foremost, what was your approach as Worcestershire captain? How would you describe your captaincy style to a cricket fan? I think when I started, I was certainly positive. You know, looking to win was kind of one of... Nowhere near as far as what we're looking at at the moment, but I have my overall view of the game is very positive. I think that that would that would be my kind of default style, and certainly what when I came into captaincy, that's what I would say I captain like, bordering on reckless at times. I think as I towards the latter end of my tenure I became more aware of the fact that we couldn't play. Uh, basketball style cricket for want of a, you know, kind of, uh, or fast forward cricket. Um, and I think the side needed to develop to learn not to lose as much. Just, and arguably, I, I probably wasn't the right person at the end to take that style on because it's not really my default setting. Um, I found myself giving messages that I knew the side needed, but probably didn't quite believe as much as I did believe, I really believe in 2000, in the early part of my tenure, um, I inherited the side at a time when we were ready to go for the Division 2 title. Um, And I felt that, and obviously it transpired to be correct, that, you know, this is is the way that we needed to go about that. We'd kind of drawn a lot of games a couple of years before, and just a little slight different, twist on how we went about things that year and then like I think as every captain does they become scarred and and I'm probably a bit fatigued by the end of it to be honest so yeah I've got really good memories specifically on the field at the start of my uh, captaincy um, so uh, yeah as I say I probably drifted away from my default style a little bit towards the end well, it's interesting you mention that, Joe, because I do have a couple of, of extra questions to ask about captaincy, if you don't mind me asking them. But first and foremost, what do you say were your biggest takeaways? What were your biggest learnings from that tenure as captain of Worcestershire County Cricket Club? I suppose from both a, a cricketing perspective and a personal perspective, because as you mentioned, 2017, you've got a side basically inheriting one, which is good enough to challenge for Division One, But then the very next season you get relegated and ever since the club has been in division two of the championship. So what do you say was your biggest learning from that initial first season to the end of your tenure as captain of Worcestershire? Um, good question. I think, it's a very good question actually. Probably one I'm a bit, it would need a little bit longer to think about to give you, the answer I 
that's probably going to make any sense. But I think looking back, I think you need to I, be authentic to what you believe to be right in your kind of gut. Um, and I probably spent a little bit too long thinking I needed to kind of learn and temper my kind of gut instinct. And I think that uh, probably shaved away a little bit of the kind of uh, the, the kind of, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is as captain, I think you have a lot of gut. I certainly had a lot of gut instincts. And to begin with, I, I used to go with them and, like if I if they failed, that was fine because they were my gut instincts. Towards the end, I began to second guess those a little bit, and I think probably learned that you know it's it's right to learn and reflect on things when they go wrong, but quite often your gut instinct is right in the first instance. Tactically on the field, I mean, um, there's so the job of a county cricket captain is so wide that. There's learnings across all of them, you know, um, across any of those factors. But specific to kind of cricket tactics and on-field tactics, that would be that would be it. Well, again, it, it was a very profound question. I do apologise. Yeah. I did just throw that in there because I'm interested, yeah, to be fine. honest, about the, the yeah. psyche of cricket captaincy. And obviously, for someone who's captained a first-class county, the pressures must be tremendous because not only have you got your own pressure – we're all born competitors. You want to, you know, you want to be successful. You want to achieve as much as you can. You've then got the pressures from your teammates. You've got expectations from them. You've got friends. You've got family. Obviously, as a professional sports person, you've also got the fans on top. And as we all know, cricket fans at times can be very demanding when it comes to silverware and success. So I suppose the follow-up question to that, Joe, would be for you as a long-term captain of Worcestershire, what do you say was the hardest expectation to manage from your time as the skipper of the pairs? Um, I, I, I never really felt a weight of expectation in that respect. I think, um, you know, we obviously had a lot of success to begin with. When we got relegated in 2018, um, even at the time, I felt like it was asterisked a little bit. Like I, I, um, I had a stress fracture, so I only played four games that season. Um, um, we obviously had lost Steve Rhodes as coach, and we just kind of went through a period. We've we have gone through a period from kind of 2017 where we had quite a lot of stability. Even in 2018, when we won the Blast. As a, as a club, we were kind of transitioning out of the kind of Steve Rhodes era and, and players were kind of coming and going and we were just trying to find ourselves a little bit, I think. Um, so as captain, I was trying to manage all of that and I, I felt like we, we never really gathered any kind of momentum and haven't really gathered any momentum since then. And I think I felt like last year actually in four-day cricket and actually for a couple of years we were, we've been building, but certainly there was a big step last year um, under, under Brett um, in Red Bull cricket, where it felt like actually, you know, we are just starting to gather the, you know, guys have been around for a little bit longer again. They've played cricket together a bit more and it feels like we are starting to gather a bit of momentum again. So, so yeah, it, it was a really interesting time as captain because at the start, everything was actually reasonably stable. Um, and then, Obviously, as, as I kind of mentioned, trying to manage change or the transition of the whole, the whole club um, or be a part of managing that transition was a really interesting life experience and one that I've learned a lot of lessons from, actually. And again, that's completely understandable because it was, I'm not going to say tumultuous, I think tumultuous is a bit too strong of a word, but it, it wasn't exactly a stable time it was a relatively unstable time I suppose you could say for the past few years yeah. at Worcestershire in particular on, on field stuff with with performances because we went from that massive high in 2017 and 2018 with the blast victory to all of a sudden things weren't going the pair's way in particular in red ball cricket I'd say as opposed to white ball cricket but as you rightfully said Joe you've got some great players in there yourself you've been an absolute workhorse for the past decade again expecting another big season from yourself in 2023 then you've added 
the likes of Adam Hose, he'll be fantastic. In, in white ball cricket, Jack Haynes, what a talent he is. Josh Tung coming back as well. So things are definitely looking up for Worcestershire across formats and it will be an interesting season in 2023. But again, before we talk about 2023 and the future, just one final question about the captaincy. And again, as has been the case throughout the podcast, it is another profound question. But looking back in reflection on your time as the skipper of the pairs, would you have done anything different with the power of hindsight? <laughs> Lots of things. Lots of things. Um any I'm happy to really share, I don't know. Um, yeah, lots of things. Like I think I kind of probably alluded to it the most. I think I probably went away a little bit from my natural style at times. Um, and I think maybe, I think there's lots of things I would have liked back. You know, I would have loved that stress factor back in 2018 because that was such a, to have a year out as a county captain, considering all that was going on behind the scenes, was, that was um, that was really challenging. So I couldn't, I couldn't. You can't change that. You know, that's injury. That's the one thing I'd I'd love back. I'd love to, you know, even if I could have pushed that into two thousand and nineteen and had two seasons back to back, really kind of getting getting to grips with the side and shaping it. Even if we would have got relegated that year. Um, but to kind of have to sit and watch from the sideline was really frustrating because a lot of the stuff that we'd done in 17 kind of got a little bit lost because we were losing a lot of games in 18. And we kind of had a bit of a leadership void um, with coach leaving. And just, and you know, I wasn't on the field, um, new coach off the field. And we, we all of us were just trying to find a way to just manage the change. Um, and we just lost a lot, a lot of stability in Red Bull cricket. And as I say, we've probably been trying to get that back ever since. Yeah, certainly have. But again, as I said, you've got some good players at New Road. So fingers yeah. crossed for Worcestershire fans and, of course, for yourself and the boys, things do pick up in the future. As I said, the future at New Road is looking very bright. Another name I forgot to mention, but again, across formats, Kashif Ali. What an incredible talent he is, in particular in white he ball is. cricket. Goodness me, he's got a very, very high ceiling indeed. But Joe, you mentioned 2018, actually. And just one final question, I suppose, about that that era of Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Would you say that was the toughest year for you as a professional cricketer? I know, obviously, there was the elation of the blast, but you mentioned that stress fracture, and it came at a really bad time of the year, didn't it? It was around about July in the One Day Cup, if I'm not mistaken. It was actually, it was actually at Edgebaston, that. Um, oh, it was, it was the game, over game against us. Yeah, Henry Brooks bowled rapid, um, and we actually we just won. Um, I think I think Keith Barker might have slipped at third man. Yeah, when... yep, it's that game. Yeah, I've been reminded yeah. of that plenty of times on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, but I actually went out to bat, and I, I I would have just got hit if the ball was any shorter than waist high because I couldn't bend bend my back. Um, yeah, so that was when I got it. So kind of early June, I think. Um, then yeah, out for the out for the remainder of that season. I actually missed the start of the next season as well. So yeah, you're right. Certainly the most challenging time as a as a block of time um, for myself and my career up till now for for various reasons, heightened by some of the the captaincy stuff in the background, the frustration of that. Um, but like, I've had so many ups in the game so so far that you can you, you've got to expect some downs as well. Well, you do, and again, it's it's an unfortunate truth, isn't it? With crickets, you have these incredible highs, and then the game has a real funny way of humbling you, doesn't it? When you just think oh, yeah. you're on top of the world, you think cricket's a really easy game. All of a sudden, bang, 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 guns. Yeah, all of a sudden, cricket's getting the better of you. It's a, a real, real cruel sport at times, but. Then again, it's the best sport ever invented. So you've got to take the good with the bad when it comes to the game of cricket. And in terms of those, those I suppose, tougher times with the injury layoff, again, oh, sorry, this is another profound question, but what motivated you to come back, Joe, from that stress fracture? Because that is 
a major injury and one which affects a lot of bowlers in this country. There's been a lot of talk in particular over the course of the past couple of years with the likes of Ollie Stone, for example. He keeps on getting them. It's an unfortunate part of the game, but injuries do occur. What motivated you to come back in that 2019 season after a year out with that injury? Uh, all the things that motivate you, you know, just as a pro day to day, um, love of the game, just wanting to get back out there and compete. Um, yeah, so so many things. You know, it was ne- it never ever even crossed my mind that that wouldn't be what I wanted to do. So, yeah, actually, one of your less profound questions this evening, to be honest. Um, the the answer of everything and anything is probably the best one I can give you. Hey, that's a perfectly suitable answer, to be honest, Joe. And yeah, I'll probably tone down the the profoundness of the questions <laughs> as we do wind down tonight's, uh, no, tonight's I've enjoyed episode. It. It's been uh, it's been stimulating. I know. Likewise, as I said, <laughs> I, it's been brilliant. I, I love any excuse to talk about captaincy, and as I said, it's almost like um, well, as you said, incredibly mentally stimulating and almost fed off each other at times. It's been fantastic. But um, in, in terms of, I suppose the the other question that I did have. With regards to that, and this is quite a nice question, actually, when it comes to the game of cricket, and one which I should actually ask a lot more often, but Joe, what is your favourite aspect of cricket? What is the thing which keeps you coming back year in, year out, even through all of the good times, the bad times? What brings you back to the game of cricket? Taking wickets. <laughs> there's there's a feeling that I know you, you batters get it as well, I know, and they just feel like they can't not score runs and it you very rarely get it and I very rarely had it in my career you know maybe less than a handful of times but there's a feeling in a spell you're bowling a spell and you just feel like you're going to get a wicket every ball and that's the feeling that's if you could bottle up that feeling that's it um yeah that's it again a great answer to that question and again this is quite an interesting question but do you think that, you know, when you look back on your time at Worcestershire, is there a particular spell or maybe a particular wicket that you look back with with particular fondness where you've had that feeling, per se? Uh, you know what? I, I'm always reluctant to answer questions like this because I'm aware that cricket, as you said, cricket can humble you very, mm-hmm. very quickly. And uh, this isn't this is your life just yet, so... I'm going to play the fifth on that, if that's okay. <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> In particular, after the discussion we just had about the game being a very, very yeah, humbling exactly. one at a time. Yeah, we'll discuss that after your career, I think, Joe. That would be very yeah, interesting. I would like to yeah. know that at some point. <laughs> but I would definitely love to know the answer <laughs> to that. But yeah, as I said, I, I would love that feeling. I wish I could say that as an off-spinner, but yeah, don't take enough wickets. We'll have to just improve and <laughs> get more winter nets <laughs> over the course of the next few years. But... Joe, before we look ahead to the future, um, just one actual other segment, which I didn't actually mention at the start of the podcast. We did actually have a question from one of our listeners today. Mr. Ferguson on Twitter, or Kyle, as you'll probably know, Joe, massive Worcestershire fan, long-term listener of the podcast, so shout out to Kyle. We do absolutely love your questions here on the Counter Cricket Podcast. But, Joe, this is an interesting one, and it is tradition by this point for Kyle to ask this, but... If you could have one flavour of crisp for the rest of your life, what <laughs> flavour of crisp would it be and That's why? Beauty. It's a great question. You know, like the cheese puffs. Which like, ones? Like a what's it, I guess. Probably. Ooh, but okay. Yeah. Rogue. That's, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting to have to answer that. So that's the first Chris that came to my head. So we'll go with those. You know what? Actually, I'm going to scrap that. That's a shocking crisp. I'm going to go for maybe just a straight up kettle crisp, lightly salted. All the sea salt ones. Yeah. That's a shout. You know, you know, I've asked that question so many times. We've had quite a few Worcestershire guests on the podcast, to be honest, Joe. Carl yeah. asked that every single time, but you know, I've never thought of it myself. It's a pretty difficult one because ready-sorted seems a bit cliche, doesn't it? Yeah. Cheese and onion. 
I mean, I suppose if you're Worcestershire, you could say Worcestershire sauce to gain a little bit of. You could do, but they'd be you'd be lying. <laughs> you wouldn't be honest with yourself by saying it. No, but... exactly. Mm, no, it's a very interesting question. And here's the other question from Kyle, which was very interesting. But he says, "I've been trying for a petition for a Joe Leach stance at New Road." <laughs> Again, this is a fantastic question. Um, what beer slash snacks would be served in said stand, Mister Leach? What would you go for? Yeah, that's a really good question. In that stand, I mean, they obviously wouldn't be able. To, the capacity would it would be a kiosk, I'd imagine, at best. Um, oh, what beer? It'd be a summer, summer number, wouldn't it? I think. Uh, maybe an Asahi. I wasn't expecting that. No, neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you pull that from? I really don't know. You know, I was thinking, I, I was thinking summer, summer beer, and then what I drank when I was in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, probably <laughs> we'll go with that. Can we just get back to the cricket questions, please? I've let myself down <laughs> in the <laughs> past five minutes. <laughs> it always happens. Mr. Ferguson, Kyle, we can let Mr. Ferg- we'll let Carl know that I'll, if he comes and asks me in person, I'll give him a better answer when I've had time to think about both of them. Than <laughs> a Sahi and what's it at first? Goodness me. Yeah. Interesting combo. <laughs> that- <laughs> yeah, it would be. In the Joe Leach kiosk. Oh, I love this podcast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It's moments like that. It makes it all worthwhile. It really does. But Joe, obviously heading back to cricket then, for our concluding segment of tonight's podcast, we do have to take a look ahead to the future. And we mentioned some of the, the names who will be gracing the turf at New Road in 2023. There are some excellent cricketers donning that pair or the rapid shirts ahead of this upcoming season. So in terms of your future aspirations in the game, what are you looking to achieve in both the summer of 2023 and I suppose the years beyond? What are your individual and, I suppose, team ambitions and aspirations heading into the near future? Mm, I don't I don't really do individual aspirations. I never have. And I know everyone kind of says that. I genuinely never have because um, I think... The nature of the nature of what we do, you're always looking to the next thing. You know, the um you don't really have time to to dwell on success and you shouldn't have that much time to dwell on failure um either. So no kind of personal aspirations. I haven't got a wicket tally in my mind, for example, nothing like that. Um my any kind of achievements would be based around what I think we we could do as a, a group. And I think, you know, we should be looking to certainly be at the top end of Division 2 this year. I'd like to think that we'd certainly give that a good run. And then in white ball cricket, who knows? I think you need to... I think the learnings for us from 2018 and 19 that, you know, if you do, all you need to do is qualify out of those groups and then very quickly qualification can, can lead to kind of finals and trophies. So, so yeah, nothing, nothing too lofty. I, I, I don't think there'd be... Uh, any county cricketer who you invited onto the podcast, he said they didn't want to win their respective Red Bull comp and or White Bull trophy. So um, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the aim. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just give it a good go and see where we end up. Well, Joe, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everyone associated with the County Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and Worcestershire all the very best of luck heading into the summer of 2023. And beyond. I mean, it does have the makings of a very interesting summer. I said it all the way back at the start of tonight's podcast, but across all three formats, county cricket right now is tremendously competitive and it is making for some fantastic viewing. So bring on the summer of 2023, I say. Cannot wait for it. One Day Cup, T20 Blast, County Championship, whatever. If you can get yourself down to New Road or Edgebaston, Trent Bridge, The Oval, Chesler Street, wherever. Even some outgrounds. I know that there's a game at Oakham, for example, this year, Leicestershire fans. If you can get yourself down to support some county crickets, please do. 
because every single ticket counts. It really does. And just support the guys, you know. They do a fantastic job. Support the women's game as well. We've got a fantastic summer on our hands here in England and Wales in 2023. But Joe Leach, I think that is a fantastic place to wrap up what has been a thoroughly enjoyable episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. I've just had a look. We've been going for an hour. That has gone by ridiculously quickly. So apologies for for waffling on for the past 60 minutes or so, but it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, Just before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, charities, anything like that? Oh, well, um, you know, I I don't know if you're aware, but myself and Ed Foster, who used to play at Worcester, former Shropshire captain, um, uh, we've set up a a women's cricket business for female cricket equipment called Nex. So encourage any kind of, of the kind of the female cricketing market, I guess, to have a look at that. We've changed um, the sizing of pads and gloves, um, made our bats slightly lighter. So, yeah, we're just trying to make the game as accessible as we can to the female market. So, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting the opportunity to talk about that tonight. But, yeah, thank you and go go along and take a look. And if anyone's got any feedback, feel free to uh, fire it my way. Excellent. Well, Joe, obviously we were going to plug that. I did notice that on your Twitter, actually. So I thought I'd give you the opportunity because it's very interesting. And to be honest, in the future, we might have to discuss that at a bit more length. But yeah, next, we'll leave the link to that in the description below, along with all of Joe's social media channels. So any of you listeners out there, if you want to go and follow Joe and check out that new new clothing and, and cricket equipment brand, please feel free to do so at your own leisure. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for tonight's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.